This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. says here that your pupil in your eye expands 45% when you look at somebody you love. 45 When you look at somebody you love, your eyes, your pupils, that dark spot gets almost 50% bigger, almost half as big again. I'm wondering why everybody's always looking at me squinting. Now I know. Duly noted. Now, now I've got all the evidence that I need. I understand what people really think about me. This is the people around me. What can I tell you? You know I'm kidding around. I came across this story. This is nuts, really. And I found a couple of things related that I think kind of tie the uh, impact of the story together a little bit. So this guy is being interviewed, and he's actually a journalist, the guy being interviewed. The guy's written a couple of books. He lived in uh, Mexico for a while, and I guess he's been covering this whole drug gang, drug uh, you know, overlord industry, whatever you want to call it, going back and forth across the board. It seems like he, he really is well plugged into it. And number one, he's saying, hey, we got a big problem. I'm going to share some of this with you, uh, if not all of it. It's really a fascinating story. But here was the thing that really caught my eye. He's talking about this, uh, this new meth and it's like everything else. You know, you hear about the, the pot today being so much stronger than it was back in the day. And now the meth, uh, I guess the way they used to make it, uh, they could only ever get it about 50% pure. And, you know, if you're getting it on the street and they're cutting the street drug, you're getting much less than that. Which means that, you know, half the time with this stuff, you're snorting or injecting stuff like, like Drano. I, I don't really know much about it. I just know it's a... A heinous thing to do. And meth is just, uh, well, you're gonna, we're going to talk about it here a little bit, uh, what he has to say about it based on, you know, his time. And he's talking about the impact on homelessness, by the way. Uh, that, to me, is just the, the, the visible sign that you see. I think that what's really going on here is really a lot deeper. And what is the impact? You say, well, meth, some people, uh, you know, well, now I was started to say the meth was 50% pure. Now uh, they're getting it almost 100% pure. So it's twice as potent as it was. I mean, that's like drinking absinthe. Have you ever had absinthe? Do you know what that is? Absinthe, um, I don't even know how it's made. I guess it's a whiskey or a gin. Or just uh, distilled alcohol. I don't know, but it's like a hundred. You typically, like a, you could probably get it as low as 135 proof, but usually absinthe that comes in like 160 proof, 180 proof. Uh, I happen to be at a absinthe bar in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, which is an amazing place, and uh, I had been reading up on it. The true absinthe, by the way. Uh, because of the wormwood that it's soaked in, is said to be, and I think generally recognized to be hallucinogenic. Here in the United States, uh, at least, uh, whatever, 15 years ago when I was looking into this, you couldn't get that here in the United States. I believe that's still the same. And basically the way to drink it is you just pour it over a sugar cube and drink this stuff neat. 
And let me tell you something. Uh, at that kind of octane, it'll blow your doors off in about a nanosecond. Like, you got to be really careful drinking something like that. Seriously. You can't just be throwing down. Uh, and I think they have stuff hitting 200 proof. Is that possible? That's 100% alcohol at that point, right? You're drinking rubbing alcohol, I guess. Probably not then, I'm guessing. Not 200 proof. 180, would that be about? That's like ni- right? 90% alcohol by volume. By volume. I don't know why that makes a difference in terms of why they say that. I don't know how that gets measured. You ever see that on the alcohol? You know, 40% alcohol by volume? That would be 80 proof. So if you're used to drinking 80 proof, and if you're drinking stuff like um, Captain Morgan, what's some of the other ones? You're really probably only drinking 70 proof. 35% alcohol compared to absinthe, which is 90%. Three times more powerful. That's crazy. It's really crazy when you think about it. And so not only you say, oh, well, it makes it easier to, you know, to, you know, you drink less. And I don't think that's what happens. But the other problem is that you're ingesting it three times faster, uh, which is something that people have sought after. Anyway, I bring this comparison up that um, uh, presumably you've never done meth, but presumably you've had a drink or two in your lifetime if you're listening uh, to this podcast, maybe not, but you can kind of compare the impact of that. Now, do that with meth. You know, if meth doesn't make people crazy enough, and what is the impact of, of these drugs? He's going to talk about it in more detail. I just saw this story popped up. It doesn't say meth, but I'm going to tell you right now, looking at this guy and his eyes, I'm going to say more than likely meth, maybe something else. Armed bystander in Florida stops an attack on a a pregnant woman. This 27-year-old madman was literally beating his girlfriend to death in a food store. Right? She's 14 months or 14 weeks pregnant, and he beats her like this. A guy with a gun had to step in and put a stop to it. He said he he said he, he saw red and blacked out. What is that? Uh, psychosis. That's exactly what it is. Uncontrollable rage to that level. I'm pretty sure that's psychosis. I'm no doctor. Why Why do we see this happening? I wanted to mention this story. Well, I'll come back to it. We'll come back to the why we see this happening. Let me get into this story a little bit because it's really fascinating. Even if you're not into the whole drug story and, and situation, I think at this point it's affecting everybody. I really do in various ways. Kids being snatched up, uh, heinous crimes taking place. These are all indications of mass psychosis. How? What is the cause of it? There's no influence of the drugs? I don't know. Maybe it's just the media and social media. <laughs> Probably. Uh, so this guy, Sam, has covered uh, g- gangs and this whole drug thing. Like I said, he did 10 year, 35 years he's been studying this, I guess you could say. He did 10 years at the L.A. Times. Um, he wrote a book in 2015 called Dreamland, which um, told how prescription drug companies and a sophisticated black tar heroin operation in Mexico wreaked havoc across the United States. He wrote another book in 2021, The Least of Us. And he basically is focused on two drugs, one being fentanyl and one being meth. 
And let me just tell you a couple things about this story. I'm just going to go from memory because I really don't like reading this. Number one, it starts to get into the lines of, of plagiarism. I really try to stay as far away from as possible. I put the link in the show notes. You can read it for yourself firsthand if that's what you'd like to do. But I'd just like to tell you the story as I know it. This guy, 35 years looking into this, and he says, look, you got a big problem with fentanyl and meth. And first of all, he says, the heroin, there's no heroin problem anymore. He says, it's gone. It's been replaced by fentanyl. So we went from prescription painkillers, was the main driver of people hopping over to the cheaper heroin because they got addicted to the pills, many of them as kids, right? This has been going on for decades now, at the least. This drug, drug, this massive drug wave that we're dealing with, drugs have always been a problem. I remember when I was younger, the talk of LSD and, and uh, what were some of the names? I was making fun of yesterday, they used the term magic mushrooms. I, that's how people talked around me when I was about drugs. You know, wacky tobacco, I remember hearing that, and uh, I don't remember all the names. Um, speed was very popular back then. That's meth, I believe, right? But this problem did exist. But now where you have a drug that's so potent and you have it being introduced to people unknowingly. I mean, you think, you know, now the the word is out, at least to some degree. But you think, ah, I broke my leg. It's a bad break. It's a compound fracture. And I got to take the the perkies or the, what are the other, I forget what the stuff is. Um, Or worse, right? With the Oxycontin, right? Is that the big one? People get addicted to that stuff, and then they can't afford it, or they get cut off, and what do they go, hey, you know, you see these people in these uh, shrouded, dark videos being, you know, or, I sold everything I had to own and, and so that I could buy heroin after being on the, and you're like, and this is like your neighbor, right? It's been a long time coming. Anyway, he says, the fentanyl and the meth. And he said the stuff is very potent. He said also, here's the thing. He said, everybody dies. Everybody who goes on this stuff dies. Nobody, and you know, it's not nobody, but it's very, very low. But here's the other thing that he goes into. And you really got to read this. Should I pull a couple of these pieces out if I can find it? Uh, he talks about homelessness. He basically, listen, what he says. He says, listen, um, he said with these drugs, that it takes away um, your... Uh, typical natural self-defense to self-preservation to eat and uh, have have uh, safety and security and 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 habitat and that's why you find these people just living in these tents they don't care they, this drug it just shuts it off they get prostituted out male and female do whatever they got to do whatever and I've seen the evidence of some of this I think I've told the story before I worked with a a disadvantaged young adult group, youth, young adult. I've seen this firsthand. This was a good 15 years ago now when I was doing this, volunteering through our church. And it was very eye-opening. Very eye-opening. And it was multifamily. Here's the story right here. Uh, it was a terrible, stupid mistake. Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr.'s father, Robert Downey Jr., massive drug problem. His father gave him weed when he was six years old. And even as, you know, who would have thought that giving a kid a little bit of grass would have been a, a little bit of grass? Six years old? You wouldn't do that with tobacco, let alone marijuana. 
And this is what he was exposed to. Right? He's getting exposed to this at 60. What do you think's going to happen? He's going to be on fentanyl or meth by the time he's an adult. I've seen all this. It's just people lose their collective minds on this stuff. You know, I don't, you know, meth and, and fentanyl, you know, you, and actually this guy that they're interviewing, he said he took fentanyl uh, for a surgery. And he said that the reason it's very effective, he makes this point too. He said uh, the fentanyl, uh, it's a much quicker cycle, and they like using it for surgeries apparently because they can wake you up easier and sooner, and it's it's healthier for you in that regard. And the problem is for the addicts is that they need it more frequently, and so they got to be chained to a dealer, a place where they can do this. It's crazy. It becomes a self imprisonment, and it's being fed in across the border. And he talks about that as well. Um, people's lives being shattered, destroyed. The meth. But anyway, he talks about this mass psychosis that's occurring. And that, that people just, uh, and he said, look, uh, you can't say that it necessarily uh, is, a, is a full return to normal. He says, too, like, you know, this all this with the, what is it, the Narcan in Pennsylvania? I think they're giving it out free. So somebody ODs, I guess from, that would be from fentanyl, heroin, fentanyl, both. I don't know. You give them the Narcan, I really don't know about it. Um, And, you know, they'll recover from the overdose. But he said, you know, an overdose creates a shortage of oxygen to your brain. And he said, there's nobody that knows that the the effects of that are, are, you know, completely, you know, repairable. Fascinating. So, in other words... You've got a large percentage of the population. Let's see, meth users in the USA. Uh, what is the scope? 2.6 million people reported using meth in the past 12 months. Among people aged 12 or older, 1%. That seems very young to me. 23,000 people died in 2020 uh, ODing from meth. That's not huge. That actually seems to be a low number to me. Very fascinating, really. Or misreported, maybe. Um, Anyway, I'd have to dig into that a little bit more. But it's just crazy what these drugs are doing to people. How How do you break the cycle? You know, here you got Robert Downey Jr.'s father giving his kid... You know, just a little grass, according to him, when he's six years old. I just, I really can't fathom that. As much as I want to say to you that I'm a, a more liberal, I think, in terms of, of drug use and personal choice, what is that? Who in the right mind would think that that's a, even a, a, something to consider? I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want a kid drinking at six, although I could see a sip of a beer at six. Maybe. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't recommend it. But that's not what we're talking about. You know, and he's such a pothead. He's like, oh, just a little grass. Yeah, true enough. And it's just a six-year-old, man. And look what you did. Look at, you, look at the path that you created. I'm not judging. But <laughs> let's learn from this and let's share the word. I don't know. Somehow we got to break this. And then I see this guy, 27 years old, 
stomping his girlfriend to death in a food store. You know, oh, would you like ham or turkey? What did you say to me? Crack. What? What kind of disgusting, barbaric, uh, demonic behavior is this? What do you do if you're in the in the supermarket and you see this going on? What, now I got to get involved in this with this guy? I would have probably hit him with a ham. That's what I would think I would do. What would you do? If you could find something glass or here's an, you know, listen, we call in the Marine Corps weapons of opportunity. Sometimes I think a better option than, than uh, uh, weapon, handguns. Maybe you have a weapon on you. Uh, but, you know, you want to stay away. You don't want to get too close to this. Somebody like this, I'm not kidding. <clears throat> if he was on meth, I don't know if he was or not. Judging by his the look in his eyes and his report, uh, sounds like meth to me. Could have been something else, like I said. Guarantee of drugs, certainly mental illness. What caused the mental illness? Um, 27 years old, he looks just like that filthy FedEx driver in Texas that abducted that seven-year-old girl. Same look. I wonder if the other one was drugs, too. You don't think, oh, you do a little meth, you're driving. I'll tell you another little story about meth. I knew some guys, and I had worked with them uh, in my days of uh, home building and real estate development. They were a Finnish carpenter crew for me, a subcontractor. And uh, you know, I knew the owner. It was a small company. They had you know two crews, like maybe about ten guys total. And uh, they would install kitchens, install the doors, the trim work, the moldings, things like that. And uh, when I left that to go out on my own, uh, I had them do some work for me. And so they're out at this commercial property. Uh, what were they doing? Oh, office fit out. You know, they were uh, building partitions and helped build some offices within this building for me. And the, the behavior was a little strange. And normally I'm a little more in tune to this. I come to find out later, at least one of the guys, I suspect both of them that, that were there on that project, uh, were pretty well addicted to meth. And it destroyed their lives. And to this guy's point, I would say to you, uh, they did not come out of that the same people. They did not return to who they were. Their bodies took beatings horribly. And, you know, they're alive. I actually haven't spoken or seen either one in quite a long time. So who knows what's uh, what the latest update is. Why do we need meth that's so much more pure? Why does it need why do we need it at all? You know, is this the case? This guy says, yeah, I think we need to explore all solutions. Uh, I don't think that enabling is a good idea. They talk about the injection sites, and um, <laughs> I, I would say no. Uh, I think you're really just, uh, I don't know if you're encouraging it or not, because I really can't speak to what the heck it is that encourages somebody to try meth or fentanyl. You know, I mean, who comes up with that? And I and I know it doesn't happen like that a lot. You know, and, and let me tell you this. Uh, you know, some of the, the stories that I do know piecing together different things. You see, they all tell you the same thing. They all have some diagnosed mental. You talk to any addict and they will tell you two things, maybe three, maybe a third, but definitely two things. Um, number one, that they have some other diagnosed mental illness, they're bipolar, 
depressed or whatever it might be. And they're more than likely you're on or supposed to be on medication for that. And it's that diagnosis that gets them Social Security. And they may get $400 a month. I don't know. This is, like I said, 15 years ago. I'm sure they're getting a lot more these days. But they don't take it and rent apartments, by and large. They may go in and get one together. You'll see that. But the, so the, that's the first thing they'll tell you, that they have a, a diagnosed mental illness. The second thing they'll tell you is that they were abused. And here's the thing about the, both, the abuse and the mental illness, the part that they never tell you. And you wouldn't really want to ask. And that is, which came first? Were you mentally ill and then taken advantage of and then became addicted to drugs because of the trauma? Well, you know, that's an interesting path, right? That uh, you may help be able to help that person or try to help that person uh, differently than, uh, you know, somebody who was casually using drugs and got themselves into trouble. And I don't know. I think, you know, as far as the abuse, I think that the drugs get people tangled up in things that they never could have imagined, quite frankly. You know, one minute everybody's laughing and having a good time, and then the next minute out of the blue, something horrible happens. I've heard this story over and over and over again. I, mean, I don't know. He just snapped. or I don't know. He just took off, and then, he just, and then they started fighting, you know, just uh, demonic. Really, these drugs, they're, they're very evil, I think. Um, and so, I don't know, people get caught up in things and then they end up abused because they you know, have no, uh, don't care. You know, if, if you don't care, who do you think is going to care? Quite, it's only a matter of time. The last thing I want to say about this is this. Whatever your feelings on it are, whether you're more liberal on drug use or you're very anti-drug use, maybe you don't even drink, maybe you think it's bad to drink, uh, I respect all that. I say to each his own. And some people, quite frankly, uh, shouldn't drink, they shouldn't do drugs. Um, you know, pot, I hear, you know, you would think it's a, a panacea for every <laughs> every ailment, you know, from ingrown toenails to male pattern baldness, for God's sake. Uh, it's not true, all right? And there are consequences to it. And I've seen people that it's been very destructive for them. And, and alcohol, too. I mean, all these things. And alcohol, it doesn't even have to be damaging. Well, it's not because you're an alcoholic. Well, it's because you get you know, drunk four times a year. And three out of those four times, you started fights or damaged relationships or, or embarrassed yourself or whatever the case might be. And to have that going on once every four months for the people around you, well, it's the drinking problem. <laughs> You know, and, and so some people shouldn't drink. I don't mean to, to harp on that. Um, you know, I like to have a, have a cocktail once in a while. Uh, I'd like to have them more frequently, quite frankly. But um, with my back and, and things like that, I try to take it as easy as I can. Um, but, I'm a, you know, I get have a couple of drinks and uh, get a little sleepy and, and that's it. And uh, I enjoy that. And I think a lot of people, it's like that. But not everybody, it's not like that. You shouldn't touch it. And who, let me ask you this. You know, out, out of that consideration, you know, who should be doing meth? Who should be doing fentanyl? Nobody. Who should be doing Oxycontin? Has anybody gone back and looked at if those drugs were even affected at managing the pain? I thank God. I don't like pain pills. I think... Um, you know, I've been prescribed them a few times. I only really ever make taking pain pills two times. Once when I tore the bicep tendon off my arm, 
And um, once when I had a really bad upper back issue that my arm was going numb, and they gave me um, anti-inflammatory muscle relaxants and a pain uh, 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 you know pill that I took for three days. You know, it was nothing. When I tore my bicep tendon off, it was about two weeks, I think, Percocets or something like that. Uh, but I worked hard to wean myself off of that. I just didn't want to fall into that trap or risk falling into that trap. And um, after the surgery, my arm was in a total cast. It was about three days in. I was like, let me just try not taking this once and see what happens. Like, I can't feel anything with my arm locked down like this. And so I just stopped them, and that was that. And I'm thankful I never developed a taste for them because uh, they've been highly destructive, highly destructive in uh, many people's lives. Some of them I know, and it's a real shame, just the pills and the struggles getting off of it and then, you know, abusing alcohol after the fact or abusing something else as a bridge to, like, I had to get break free of that. It's crazy. Anyway, I saw this uh, music balances emotions by turning your playlist into a therapist. Uh, music can be really good for changing your mood, by the way. I just wanted to mention that. Uh, I find my, you know, a lot of times I have trouble regulating my energy level, which is why I abuse things like caffeine and why you hear me talk about energy drinks. Um, I have trouble sleeping. I have trouble staying awake. It's just, uh, and I've gotten better and better at that. And a variety of things can impact that. I don't want to get too into it. But I just want to tell you that one of the best easy ways you can get yourself moving a little bit and probably alter your mood in other ways. It just happens to be the way that I use music. And that is to get me a little, get my heart pumping a little bit, maybe to work out or something like that. Um, anyway, I was talking about this issue of how vulnerable our power grid is. And it's kind of funny reading these stories that came out. I happened to be talking to somebody who um, is in this industry and uh, he's talking about the buzz going around. And you know, now it's public that this, this electric infrastructure is wildly, wildly vulnerable. And I was think, considering this, contemplating this, um, you know, not as uh, something to do as an act of domestic terrorism, for God's sake. I was thinking about it from the perspective of what's ha- I see what's happening in Ukraine with the infrastructure attacks. I'm thinking, you don't need a large military to engage in, in that kind of activity. There's simple way, and I'm no expert. I know very little about uh, electric infrastructure, but it's out in the wide open. I mean, it's clearly vulnerable. And uh, so what happened, if you don't know, that there was like 40,000 people without power in North Carolina because uh, what they know now is that somebody shot at, like with a firearm, uh, two different electrical substations down there. And when they did that, they damaged the equipment. And these substations are hard to get right now. Uh, a lot of times they require, I mean, matter of fact, I think all the time they require cranes to lift them up into place. Uh, even if they're mounted on a pole, these I think were like you know bigger, bigger pieces of equipment. And you start shooting at this stuff. Actually, I don't really want to say it. I really don't um, because I don't want to give anybody any ideas. Uh, it doesn't need to be said. And what's interesting, the article, of course, uh, has a strong inference that this was, of course, uh, a white nationalist. Another deranged white person, you know, taking out the power and this threat of the white nationalists. I kid you not. No evidence to support that. But 
Um, you know, like one, do I have it here? Do I need to read? No, nah, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to read this crap. But they're, they're saying, you know, uh, uh, so one source, uh, you know, believes the FBI is investigating whether this was to shut down a drag show downtown. So, you know, that it was a targeted attack. That's what they're saying. And I... <laughs> There's really no evidence yet to support that, but these are the theories. You'll never hear the truth. You'll never hear the truth. Just another whitey. Why this concealment of what's really going on? The fear over the power grid, it really should make people think, which is the main reason why I brought it up. Uh, If it's not by um, cyber wars that are constantly bringing threats to the system, foreign governments that might attack us, whether it be North Korea or Iran, um, that they might do it, you know, terroristically, meaning launch drones or something with from the United States, or a domestic terrorist, you know, another crazy white nationalist because they're the only ones that do domestic terrorism. Uh, forget about what you saw going on, you know, two years ago with all the riots and looting and whatnot. The real threat is whitey. Um, this is proves it here. But anyway, joking aside, you really got to think that is the power system. Reliable, And the answer is, no, <laughs> no, it's not. And so you better think about what your plans are in the event that it goes down. I've said it, and I'm going to say it again as a friendly reminder. Your exposure is what will kill you quickest. I'm going to get Butch Erskine on from Hope for Survival. I text him. This is how, you know, you know you're getting old. Uh, I text him, I say, you want to come on the podcast? How about next Sunday uh, we record it? This was like a week and a half ago or whatever. And then once I sent the text and we confronted, and I forgot. Typical. Once it was out of my mind, it was out of my mind. But anyway, I got to get back to him and get him on. But he'll tell you. You look at what happened in Texas when the heat went out a couple years ago. Remember that? A couple of people died. People didn't know what to do. Oh, my God. The pipes are bursting. And, and you know people are getting warm in their cars in the garage with the garage door closed. And wondering why they're dying of a of asphyxiation. Horrible. People dying, a kid died in a in a trailer of exposure. People don't know how to deal and it was, you know, it was and it was all the way down to like thirty degrees. Nobody knew what to do. Well it's Texas, right? It doesn't get cold down there like that. They don't lose power like that normally. I can't believe it. People but you gotta be prepared. A little advanced planning. In a case like that, a couple of wool blankets and understanding how to drain the water system and you're about set, my friend. It's not that difficult. <laughs> you don't have to go through a whole... You don't need a book. You don't need to go to a website. You live in Texas. Make sure you know how to drain your systems. Then make sure you know how to start them up. I would recommend that you consider some solar lighting. We have more than enough light to completely light our house with solar lighting. And it's just um, a fantastic... Uh, and, you know, it, it can, obviously can be recharged. It can be regenerated. So we never have to worry about running out of lighting. And it gives me a peace of mind. And it's great lighting, by the way. Really great lighting. Really, really great lighting. <laughs> We're happy to be prepared. It doesn't take much. You could, in Texas, you could prepare for a power outage pretty much. You get, water is going to become your thing in Texas. You're gonna, that's going to be your next issue. We have water. Anyway, vulnerable grid. They're blaming it on Whitey. i got to be careful what I say because... Uh, I really don't want to give anybody ideas. I was going to jokingly say I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to be the one investigated for this. Uh, but it's, it's a real threat and a real concern. And I think that, that 
I don't think that it's ever going to be able to be made, certainly not completely secure, uh, even remotely secure necessarily. I don't know. All I would say is plan for disruption. If it's not economic, it'll be from some other threat. And it doesn't have to be whitey. It really could be a, a cyber attack, but it would probably be whitey. i still blame whitey. Well, you know, due to white nationalists, this is why it's important that you vote Democrat. They're blowing up the substations now, you see? This is what these Trump people do. That's what they're trying to say. This is what they call real news. This is what the fact checkers are going to send you. So speaking of fact checkers, there's a video here put on uh, Russian Times of Putin uh, driving over the bridge to Crimea that was blown up. Remember that? The, the terrorist act on the bridge? They repaired it already. And here he is driving over it. And you say, well, what's the big deal? Well, first of all, they fixed it in record time. And he's going to go out and demonstrate that. And he's going to do it on the open road, which is a bold move. Why is it that Putin can drive it? U.S. presidents can't drive. He's a real man. And why is it that if you look at the Western media, they think that he's dying of cancer and Parkinson's and holed up in a hole in the ground somewhere and everybody in the country is out to get him. Meanwhile, he's driving over a bridge in the open daylight. Yeah, you tell me what's really going on. Looks fine to me. Looks like he's driving quite well. I'm sure it is part illusion. You know, he probably has his Secret Service or KGB or whoever it is, you know, or the vehicles ahead on the whole bridge have been closed down. Still a bold move, right? Driving over this bridge that was blown up. He's like, yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Hey, you got to say, the guy's got balls, whatever you want to say about Putin. New Zealand's trying to pass a law to make Facebook and Google pay for news. This was uh, Wall Street Journal. Credible news agency, right? So you would think. Headline, byline. Wall Street Journal, you tell me. Is this credible or another lying liberal, uh, liberal lying by omission? New Zealand plans to make Facebook and Google pay for news. Legislation to be based on a similar similar law in Australia and a proposal in Canada. So, uh, and where's the other article? Yeah. Facebook owner Meta, this is the part that they don't tell you. This is a separate story. Facebook owner Meta to remove news from its platform. Congress passes this, uh, this new law. I forget the name for it. In other words... The Wall Street Journal failed to mention that the exact same type of law, similar law, is being proposed right here. Why would the Wall Street Journal omit that? And then the the article that comes out, Facebook owner Meta to remove news from its platform of Congress. What is this here? Let me open this up. If Congress passes the media bill. I, don't, I think this is a dangerous bill, and I think it should really concern people on one hand. Uh, on the other hand, I, I suppose you can make the argument, as I have many times, that the, the media has just been decimated and that without a, um, a proper media and journalism and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Oversight. There's no oversight without the media there. There's no oversight when, you know, the, pres- the candidate of, of a presidential— uh, the son of a presidential candidate is high on, on meth or whatever and has, has a pornographic material with minors on a laptop that's 
you know, flowing around the internet, and they're able to just make it like it's a turn it into a fake story. When number one, it wasn't a fake story. It turns out it was completely true. I myself questioned if it was a real story. They made Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani ought to be filing a slander suit. I hope. I wish that idea would get to him. If they knew Twitter, for example, if Twitter allowed him to be smeared over this same issue, right? Of over the the Hunter laptop story being squashed, and and, and allowed stories that to to bash Rudy Giuliani, he ought to sue for for defamation. Should he not? So, you know, with no media, but so you would think, okay, maybe the law is going to help that. Do you really believe that? What makes you think that? You know, and when and I say, good, stop passing news around on social media. You want news, go to the news sites. I said this a while ago with like the Facebook stuff, you know, you know, to just stop, to take politics off it. It would be better. It really would. Stop tracking people and stop putting political stuff on there and it will be fun again. People would have fun doing it. You know, the only reason I really wanted to be on Facebook was to share photos and interesting moments from our life and our family with close friends and relatives and guys from my Marine Corps unit. And unfortunately, Facebook destroyed that because they tracked every movement, you know, down to your heartbeat while you're sleeping and and shared it with the world. And then, uh, you know, through their secret, uh, you know, twist on everything— you just got this completely warped sense of what was really going on. Everybody is just left angry and fighting with each other. And they, too, just purposely trying to create an addictive machine. Facebook owner Meta. Why would they say that like that? I've had a long-running theory that this was actually an FBI uh, test program of some kind. Facebook International, FBI. Isn't that a coincidence? And now that it's sold off and it's meta and this whole warped story, you don't even hear about it. They won't even say it by name. It's like the former president, right? Every once in a while, they do Facebook, owner meta. But they just say it like Twitter. Twitter's Twitter. You know, they don't say uh, Twitter owner Elon Musk. They're not saying that anywhere. Why not? Interesting, right? Um. Biden administration. Here's another example. Not only is the media being um, uh, propagandized that we're getting misled, whether by omission or insertion of, of false information. Here, uh, legal assault. Biden administration launches an investigation into uh, Elon Musk's uh, Neuralink company um, over these monkey experiments. And let me tell you what I see going on here. Everybody, not everybody, but most people love animals. And it's one of these heart, oh, they just, they want to evil, make him evil. Why the attack on Elon? Let's put it, get to it. Why do they, why? Because he spoke the truth? No, nobody said that he was lying. You ever get that? Nobody's come out and said, no, this this is false. Uh, uh, What Elon is saying about this whole Twitter story, it's nothing but a lie. Fascinating, right? Great story here about this Twitter executive, Michael Avani, getting more jail time. Remember that whole story? I mean, that wasn't fake media. More lawsuits. Girl Scouts dropping the term brownies because uh, they say it's racist. Who thinks like that? Can you tell me? How do you conclude that that's racist? 
crazy world we're living in. God willing, I'll be back tomorrow. Hope to see you there. Make it a great day.